Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. Um, I am thankful that we're here this weekend. We're in our second week of this series called Chasing Daylight. And uh, this whole idea about how we get in just these, some of these dark soul moments, places of brokenness. Maybe you're here today and you're in one of those. Maybe you're here today and you know someone that's in a moment where they feel like in their life they're chasing daylight. They're literally just looking and saying, is God absent? Is he apathetic? Is he angry at me? How do I deal with, I need some tools in which to, to deal with or to help my friend deal with um, the season in the midst where they feel like they're chasing daylight. And we've been having that uh, conversation because I know that if you're not there, if you don't know someone's there, you will be there or know someone who will be there again in their lifetime. And so we're talking about that. And today specifically, I have a friend named Chris Simmings who's talking about that with us. Uh, He came out here to share with us his story, his chasing daylight moments, uh, even to this day. And uh, I'm so thankful for him and just the testimony he's going to give about this. Um, I really enjoyed spending some relational time with him yesterday as we were parting ways last night after we had a meal together. Um, he really looked at me and he said in the, in, the, in the car, he said, Larry, if this could all be done over again and my life would look differently than it looks right now, I wouldn't trade it in for anything. And uh, I think that this whole thing will make much more sense once you hear his story and get an opportunity to meet him. So will you welcome, please, Chris? Good morning. All right, good morning. Good afternoon. It's 12.38. That's crazy. And you're here on a Sunday. I'm Chris, and I live in Phoenix, Arizona. Woohoo! It is hot. Do you ever feel like you're in a furnace in life? And it feels as if that furnace has just been heated up seven times warmer. Isn't life crazy? Brokenness, pain. We go through, you are going through the series called Chasing Daylight. It seems like in this world today, that's all that people most ever want to do. It's a natural human response, right? When you're broken, you want to chase after something. Why? To find comfort. To find hope for your pain. Do you ever feel like you're in a furnace where it's seven times hotter than normal? I've lived such a life. My life has not been easy. You're, you're sitting there thinking, who are you? Like, you can't even speak right. You're, you're right. You don't look the part of a speaker. You're, you're right. You walk a little bit weird. Well, actually, you walk a little bit weird. So 
So if if I could get your permission, I would like to dive into my story about midway through it. Is that all right? Do you ever watch CS, CSI TV program? It's kind of like that. Big picture, and then it'll get smaller, 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 smaller. Okay, where do I start? Here we go. Have you ever been on a houseboat? Or should I ask this question, do you know what a houseboat is? Okay. A houseboat is a camper that looks like a camper that floats on pontoons. What's interesting about being in Benicia, California this weekend is I actually grew up in Susun City. Yeah. You ask people will ask, where are you from? Oh, I was born and raised in Susun City. Where's that? Uh, Fairfield. Where's Fairfield? It said, do you, do you ever eat jelly bellies? Oh, Fairfield, yeah! I like jelly bellies. All right, that's where I'm from. I'm a graduate of Ario High School. What, what? <laughs> and yet, all my family has since relocated to Charlotte, North Carolina. So we have not been in this area. I haven't lived in Susud for over 20 years. It's been that long. So Lake Shasta is beautiful. And I speak of the word houseboat because that is where I am in this part of my story. I don't want to be there. The youth pastor at our church called me up one day and he said, Hey, this weekend is the weekend where seniors only get to go on the Grand Classic. And we can't wait for you to go on the hospital trip with us. And I said, I'm not going. And he said, why are you going? And I said, well, I don't think it would be right for me to go this weekend. And what you need to know is that when I was a senior in high school, at real high school, I was confined to a wheelchair then. I didn't want to go on a houseboat. Are you kidding me? They're not that big. What am I going to do but just sit in a chair on wheels and watch everybody else have fun? I couldn't swim. I couldn't see you. I couldn't jump off the roof into the water. I... I I was going to be a bubble of log. I'm not going rich. But you faster. Oh, come on, Chris. We'll take care of you. We'll take care of all your needs. So, I agreed to go. It's a four-day trip. We have two houseboats. The girls have one. We have one. Every day for those four days, we would troll around Lake Shasta. And at night, we would find a cove, just a random cove, and, and tether our boats up to the shoreline for the night. One night, I'll never forget this. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. A.m., huh? Of course it is. And I wake up out of a deep sleep. 
And the reason why I did not want to go on this four-day houseboat trip is because of this moment. At this point, I couldn't walk at all. But I had to go to the bathroom, and I had to go now. <laughs> and it sounded like fireworks erupted in my sleeping bag. Pop, 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 pop. Yeah, disgusting. <laughs> and then diarrhea used all over my legs into the sleeping bag. And tears begin to pour over my cheeks. I begin to taste the saline of their tears on the tip of my tongue. Most everybody was up top on the roof, the deck outside, because the weather was beautiful. It was the weekend before Memorial Day. Some people were sleeping in the front of the boat. And for whatever reason, I was in the kitchen area of the houseboat, and my friend Jimmy, a senior like I was, was on the other side of this room. And he was the only person in earshot of me. And he was my only hope. Because in that moment, my furnace just got seven times hotter than normal. And it was what pushed me over the edge. Since I was eight years old, I grew up in the church. I went through a, a program called Awana for Kids. I'm very good at memorizing things. That comes easy for me. And so I memorized all kinds of scripture. I was a poster boy for Awana. <laughs> I did what you're supposed to do when you're in that program. I knew all the verses. But in this moment on the houseboat, a senior in high school, in a sleeping bag filled with my own diarrhea and dung and had it. And had it felt Jesus for four years. And for five years I was chasing daylight. Because my life was chaotic. I went to bed in eighth grade and I was fine. I talked normal. I outrun people. I, I was me. And I went to bed one day in eighth grade. The next morning I woke up. And when I got out of bed and stood to my feet, I couldn't hold my head up. Overnight, my life has changed in an instant. And my head fell forward, so far forward that my chin was touching my chest. I was in grade. After a series of medical tests, I would say dust with a disease that's very rare. And if this disease was a, was a lottery ticket, I would be rich today. 
because I've not met anyone with this specific disease. It's a muscle and nerve disease called torsional dystonia. It is a twisting of your torso. When I was diagnosed with it in the eighth grade, the United States didn't have much information on it. And so I went to UCSF for treatment. And for the next five years, from my eighth grade to my senior year of high school, I didn't see a better day. Because your torso twists, your walking is affected. Because your torso twists, my vocal cords got affected. That's why I speak the way I do right now. I went from being popular to feeling as if I was a freak of nature. And still to this day, everywhere I go, I turn heads. And I hate it. And people think I'm stupid because I look the part of an idiot, I guess. And I'm tired of proving myself to people that I'm somebody who is smart. So I'm on the houseboat at this point. The worst year of my life was my senior year of high school. My parents didn't know if I was going to make it. My mom was actually planning out my memorial service. The music was already playing that they would play that day at my service. I was going downhill quick. I bought this houseboat. Jimmy's in earshot of me, and I began to call out to him. Jimmy! Sleeping away, didn't hear me. I began to sob. I'm embarrassed, humiliated, and furious. Not at him. But that where my life has taken me. It's not fair. Jimmy! No answer. My cries get so intense that it's almost as if I'm convulsing. I'm shaking. I'm choking out my tears. And Jimmy wakes up. And I have to explain to my peer that I've laid in a filth bed of diarrhea. And that was very hard for me to do. But he was my only hope. I don't know how to tell you this, Jimmy, but I just had an accident. That's okay, he responded. The crickets are strapped up for ruckus outside. 
the moonlight spilling through the windows of the houseboat, casting a silhouette of Jimmy's lump hidden sleeping bag of where he was on the wall. And you hear those words. We'll take care of this. It's why you're here. Jimmy gets up from where he is and he goes to the front of the houseboat to find my youth pastor, Rich. And he shakes his shoulder and he tries to stir him from his slumber. Rich, wake up, Rich, wake up, Rich. Jimmy, what's up? What's going on? Is everything okay? We're all okay. Um, but Chris is not. What's wrong? The re- very reason why he told you he didn't want it to come this weekend happened. You did this. <laughs> He's a mess. Not just physically. Mostly, it's it's. He's done. And he needs us right now. All right. How about you go back to bed? And I'll take care of this. Jimmy stood strong and he said, I will not. That's my brother. He's one of me. Jimmy, you can't deal with this. I guarantee you, you're going to throw up. <laughs> guarantee. I don't care. I don't mean to, to disrespect you, Rich, but I'm not going back to bed until I get to help him. So they will in my wheelchair. They unzip the top layer of my bag, and the moment they do that, the stitch just envelops the room that much more. Now it becomes, becomes humid and more pungent. And Jimmy gets dirty immediately. And he goes in to scoop up my lifeless body. And the moment he touches me, he's infected with diarrhea all over his arms. He don't care. He doesn't care. He scoops me up, puts me in the wheelchair, and he and Ritz wheel me to this dinky bathroom that's on this houseboat. And the door is, is narrow and the wheelchair is wide. He can't get through it. It's been that way the whole weekend. So they set the brakes and they drag me to the shower stall. And you would think a youth pastor, oh, that's the Christian thing to do. He would be the one to get in and clean up. No, it was Jimmy. A cedar like me. My peer. 
They prop my body up against the wall. And Jimmy begins to wash me. He cleaned me up. And as he's doing this, he's not saying one word. He's not flinching his nose. He's not doing any of the sort. And I'm bullied, but I'm bowling. Because I can't believe what is happening. A kind, loving gesture. That's extremely grotesque. And he's washing me up. Trying to put back my pieces together again. And in that moment, I see Jesus for the first time in about five years. And it changed my soul from that point forward. And for whatever reason, I knew that even though my furnace was hot, I would be okay. Are you tired of chasing daylight this morning? Because your pain is a bed of filth. It reeks. It stinks. It's nothing you have done to deserve it. But it's this circumstance that's happened. And your life has fallen apart. That's my story. Jesus to me is not church. Jesus for me is being broken. Having someone to cling to. The Savior of the universe. My Lord, my mighty God. The book of Daniel is amazing to me in the Old Testament. Because Daniel had himself and three other friends. Their country was besieged. The kingdom they belonged to came tumbling down. And another king took precedent, and his name was King Nebuchadnezzar. If this king was a hothead, this king was arrogant to the core. And even though he was all those things, you still cannot dismiss that this king was extremely powerful. One day, he thought it would be fun <laughs> to create a 90-foot statue. 
And he made this little game up. Kind of like our rendition of musical chairs. When the music played, everybody around him had to bow down to this image that he made that was 90 feet tall. And if you didn't bow down to it, there would be a price to pay, a consequence that you had to live. It would be that you would be thrown into a furnace. Shadrach, be second a bit ago, came from a different people. They were exiled. But King Nebuchadnezzar loved these three guys. And yet they did not play his game. When the music played, they would not bow down to the image that was made. Because they were no longer a slave to fear. We sang that this morning. Because they knew who they were. They were children of the living God. So they weren't going to bow down. And so many times I feel when we're under pressure and we go through our moments of pain, that's all we ever want to do is to bow down to whatever it is because we want to be comforted. But so many times our allegiance goes to the wrong things. We're chasing daylight. But we're running the wrong direction. And in Daniel 3, verse 16, it picks up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. I love this. It's kind of in your face. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. In other words, we're not playing your game. Your 90-foot statue? It's not impressive. And the band that you hired to play the music? They stink. <laughs> We're not playing your game. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, so be it. The God we serve is able to de- deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But if it, even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. We're not going to do it. King Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and his attitude toward them instantly changed. He loved these three guys from a different land. When we are broken, our kingdom crumbles. And our brokenness exiles us to something that we're not used to. When I woke up in eighth grade with this disease, my kingdom crumbled. Yet what impressed King Nebuchadnezzar about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was these 
their character, their diligence. And now King Nebuchadnezzar, his attitude towards these guys changed because they were not going to worship what he had made. They weren't slaves to fear. And King Nebuchadnezzar ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. And the king's command was so urgent, and the furnace was so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, they fell into the blazing furnace. He was so mad that his urgent command was that this furnace be heated seven times more than normal. And that wasn't enough. He got his strongest soldiers to tie up these men. And because the heat was so hot, these men were killed. <laughs> and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell into the furnace. And I love what's next. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, yeah, certainly there was your majesty. He said, but look, I don't see three anymore. No, 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 I see four. Four men, and they're not confined. They're walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Forget your 90-foot statue. Forget chasing daylight. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood their ground. And it cost them a furnace. But what I love about their attitude towards God is that they didn't have to chase after anything. Or rather, they stood still. And let God be God. Verse 26 of Daniel 3. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Oh, now he's on buddies with them again. But it's interesting that he said, servants of the Most High God, he recognized who God was because of the life that they lived amidst their furthest moment. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the sea traps 
perfect skeptics and royal advisors crowding around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. The roads were not scorched, and there was no spell of fire on them. And then Nebuchadnezzar replied, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants, because they trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language should say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. That's harsh. And their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. I never thought I would ever walk again. I didn't think it was in the cards for me. I had a heart to heart with God. I said, all right, Lord. If I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my days, so be it. But will you please show me how it is that you want to use that life for you? Was it by choice? But I started to learn to be content with not walking ever again. I graduate from Barrio High School and I go to Stolano College. What? what? <laughs> and I get involved in swimming. Not for anything other than this. I just wanted to be with other people who had disabilities. That was it. I liked it so much that I stayed involved in swimming for two and a half years out at Solano College. Two to three days a week, except for the winter. It's cold. <laughs> and it was water therapy that God used to help me walk again. And my doctor, you know what he prescribed for me? I want, I want you to please throw away all the medication that I gave you ever. And I've been drug free. I drive a car. <laughs> Stay off the roads and be okay. <laughs> I have a graduate degree from Azusa Pacific University in clinical psychology. I never, ever, ever thought I would be a speaker. It don't look like one. I don't act like one. I don't sound like one. But that's the beauty of God's story in all of us. He wants to shock the world with everything that we think is impossible about us. Because it wants to remind all of us that the life that you live is not about you. 
it's about the response that you have to your furnaces. Life is hard. My story's not over. It's not easy being me. But I wouldn't say anything about it. Because I know that my story is a gift. And it keeps on giving. I'm healed. I know what you're thinking. You're not healed. Look at you. You're not healed either. Look at you. We're all broken. We all have furnaces. And our tendency is to chase. Chase daylight. Chase after images that we think are going to bring us comfort. Chase after those things that we think will remedy our pain. Maybe we are prone to bow down to an image that's 90 feet taller than us because where's God in the midst of my pain? Is he real? Does he love me? Then why am I so broken? And I think the lesson in this series is don't chase But stop and just stand and walk with Jesus in the best of furnaces. Even though they're seven times hotter than what you're used to. I'm not here to give you answers. Because I don't know what your furnace is like this morning. I'm only here to give you a glimpse of my story. I have joy. And I really want to be contagious. Not that if I touch you, you get what I get. That would be awful. My hope in life is this simple thing. When people are dead interacting with me, I want them to walk away seeing Jesus a little bit differently. That's all I want. way you chased it after this morning. Would you guys bow your heads? God, thank you that you're real. 
but sometimes in our furnaces, you seem too far away, untouchable. You're not felt, but we feel all alone. But because of that, we start to chase things that we think will lead us to daylight from our darkened states. Lord, would you give us courage to stop? If they're stand in the midst of the furnaces, Because, Lord, you're walking in the midst of it with us. Would you give us jimmies in our lives? Would you help us to be jimmy and jimmy to someone else? Or would you just give us hope this morning? but no longer to be a slave of fear, but to realize that we are children of you. Because this is living now. Our black and white will turn the colors all around. No, we'll be new because in our Savior we are found. Thank you, Lord. Would you keep your heads bowed? If you're here today, and uh, whether or not you're in a, the midst of a chasing daylight moment now, I know for a fact that one, one day you'll find yourself in one of those seasons again. There may be someone here today that um, doesn't have the hope and knowledge of knowing that they have anyone in the furnace with them when it gets turned up seven times hotter. And I know for a fact that Jesus, God settled whether or not he knows your name, whether or not he cares about you, whether or not he's with you in the midst of your mess and your chasing daylight moment when he sent his son to the cross for you and gave himself to you and for you. So if you're here today and you don't have that hope, you don't have that knowledge of eternity, just like Chris said of Jesus in the midst of your brokenness it's a gift that's been given to you and God presented that through Jesus and so I invite you if you're here today to accept and to receive that free gift that he's so generously given and I'm going to ask so while everyone has their heads bowed that if, if that's you and you want to receive that gift of Jesus for the first time in your life to know that you have someone in the furnace with you and an eternity with you. Would you raise your hand and let 
Chris and I just see you and acknowledge you, look at us so we can pray over you and celebrate with you today, right now. So God, we celebrate with you. We thank you that you live with us in the midst of our brokenness and our mess. And we celebrate you with you right now for those who just made a life-changing, eternal decision. God, would you give us hope? Would you give us joy that only you can give? Would you give us purpose? And a way to live and follow your word that would allow others to see you the same way that Jimmy showed Chris Jesus. We love you and we thank you and we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Yeah.